let's let's start by uh, offering a word of prayer to God. Uh, Lord, so grateful that we can gather here in a place that we have set aside to worship and praise you and learn about your word. Uh, Lord, help us to set aside our hearts this year to learn about you and to worship you in all places of our lives. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would bless us as a family, as your son's body here, this, so we can do your work, soak up your word, and show and express your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. This year, I want us to practice and to plan and to do it together. So, I was at the uh, at the town of Alexander, Kansas this, this past week. I went out west with my family to see uh, my wife's father and uh, her brother and his children. So I don't know if you've ever been to Alexander. Anybody ever been to Alexander, Kansas? Okay, we well, you have Flint. Um, it's about, there's probably ten houses there. Um, and uh, probably four of those houses are lived in on a regular basis. And the rest of the town is, is um, old buildings, old houses that are um, uninhabitable. Um, so it's a small town. And it's uh, almost a ghost town, you can say. It's kind of a neat place. So we were there. And I was with, with uh, my wife and her brother and the kids and her father. And so you know there was an, adi an additional three kids to my children. We're out in the yard getting ready to load some stuff up. And uh, I forgot to mention that I brought my dogs with me because, uh, it, let me introduce you to my dogs if you don't already know them. The large one is Tyler and the small one is Buddy. And Buddy is, is a dog that we inherited from my father-in-law. Um, so we take care of Buddy now. But uh, he wanted us to bring Buddy so that he can enjoy Christmas with them. Well, Buddy couldn't leave without his buddy, Tyler, so we brought both of our dogs with us. So here we were in Alexander, Kansas, all the kids and the two dogs. Um, well, if you've ever owned a, a uh, farm dog, a big one, um, one of your, uh, your worst fears is to have another dog who is also big come up while you have your dog. Uh, if you don't have a good leash, right? Because dogs tend not to get along, especially ones that are uh, you know, trained to protect the farm. They fight. So when we was in Alexander, there in the yard, out of the corner of my eye, I seen the, the rulers of the town, three huge uh, German shepherds, about this tall, <laughs> eight foot long, teeth, they come trotting down the road. They own this town. Yeah. Really a bad situation. Kids all around, and then my two dogs. Well, I knew exactly what was going to happen, so I grabbed my big dog up and held him high. Like, that's a bad idea because I've done that before. And another dog came up, and, and so if they go, you know, all of a sudden I'd have a, a ball of teeth and claws, and it would be a bad thing. But that's the only thing I can think of doing the spur of the mall. So I grab up Tyler, and I had a hold of him, and um, Buddy at that time decided he wanted to insult the other dog. So he's <laughs> going after, he was on a leash, and he wrapped that leash around my feet, and he's tugging at it. I was multitasking then, by the way. I was, uh, you know, 
uh, having an anxiety attack in my mind and holding the big dog and worrying about the kids while Buddy was pulling. And, um, oh, <laughs> that was a, a, a intense situation. Because I knew in my mind that if those dogs had decided, they looked friendly to the kids, they weren't concerned. But when Buddy started throwing insults, I thought, boy, if they come this way, they were big enough, they could have ate Buddy in one bite and belched out a, a pluff of just white fur. And uh, then Tyler would be next. Like, man, you know, if only I had made a plan before this. Now, praise God, those dogs kept on walking by. Nothing bad happened. I was able to hold my big dog. There was no dog bites, no children harmed in the process of the dog fight. But if I had made a plan, you know, no matter how, whose attention I tried to get right then, uh, everyone was looking at the other huge, large dogs that could potentially be dangerous. But if I had made a plan that, hey, uh, kids, when there's other dogs, I want this person to be in charge of Buddy and this person to be in charge of Tyler so that I can make sure the other dogs aren't attacking us, then it would have went into play. And, and something would have snapped in the minds of other people. Okay, this is what we need to do. We have a procedure, and we need to work together We've practiced this. Uh, let's do it, and this will be how it works. But there was no such plan, and we hadn't practiced it, and we didn't know how to act together in that particular situation. God's plan for us is that we who believe in him are to work together, and in that way, we will be stronger we see this in the scripture in Acts. When the first church formed together, everyone works together for the mission of God. They put all their resources together. They uh, went out together. And because they did that, great things happened. Now you say, well, most of them were martyred. Most of the folks who started the first church were killed. Yes, that's true, but the great purpose for which they were working, we are experiencing right here, right now. We have a church, and we have the word of God in Colony, Kansas, because the folks in the first church worked together to fulfill the, the commandment that Jesus told us to go and tell others. Romans chapter 15, verse 6. It says, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Join together with one voice. One voice. And Colony, I think you do that really well. We are a church who likes to get together and to do many things. And uh, we have a voice. And this year, let's strengthen that voice and continue our working together. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Here the Apostle Paul tells us to be one mind, 
united in what we do in our purpose given to us by Jesus. Uh, no divisions in the church. We see a lot of divisions here these days, and there there has been divisions uh, for years and years and years and years. If we were to be strong, then we will realize that divisions only weaken us. And we want to be together because we are stronger together. No scripture illustrates this better than Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. You'll recognize this when I read it. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But if someone falls, who, who falls alone is in real, rear, <laughs> sorry, real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We are strong together. Jesus calls us his body. God says, the body of Christ, and that is plural, that is us together, not just one of us. We are the body of Christ. And if we stick together, if we do the purpose that God has us to do, His will, then we will not easily be broken. Now the devil, he tries to break us. Sometimes you may be tempted to think, well... If I'm a good Christian, mind my own business, then I'll be alright. I won't be attacked. But let me tell you, that is not the case. The devil tries to break us in every way that he can. He will come from the direction of secularism, or he'll come from the direction of other, uh, other idols that we can worship. Any way he can, he will come and try to break us apart. Now, one of the uh, the things that, I don't know when this came from, but I remember when I was a kid, it was quite popular to have a bumper sticker that said, what would Jesus do? You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we would, we would ask ourselves that uh, question if we were going to do something. Or as a difficult situation, we had a decision. Uh, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say uh, if he were in this position? And I think that's a good thing to ask. So I like here, uh, if a big old dangerous dog came around looking for trouble, what would Jesus do? What would he be thinking and how would he handle the situation? Well, we don't have to wonder because scripture tells us Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. If you'd like to turn there, follow along. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Tempted there by the devil. 
Here's our big dog, the dangerous one, the one that is out to get him. He is ready and he is staged to destroy anything that is good. For 40 days and 40 nights, uh, Jesus fasted and became hungry. During that time, the devil came to, and, to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Go ahead, uh, Jesus. That's what he's saying. Uh, you're the Son of God. You're hungry? All you've got to do is turn these stones to bread. No problem. But Jesus told him in verse 4, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt a foot you hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus replied, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do when the dangerous, the evil dog came around? Well, Jesus had a plan. His plan was scripture. He had the scripture. Now, he went to what he knew, and that was the word of God. And he knew it better than the devil did, because he was practicing it. He was living it. Now, the devil knows scripture, obviously. He used scripture uh, to try to tempt Jesus to go astray from what Jesus knew. But... Jesus knew it better because he was living. Jesus was living the word of God, mind, body, and soul. Now, if we were to take uh, uh, two fellas and put them in a room and, and tell them, uh, you guys are going to fight each other, and, and uh, we throw in uh, two pairs of nunchucks, and each guy gets to use nunchucks. And one guy had been practicing with his nunchucks every single day. And the other guy had never um, used a pair of nunchucks in his whole life. Obviously, we would put our money on the guy who knew his way around uh, two sticks attached by a chain. Um, the other guy's going to hit himself in the back of the head, or worse, if he picks them up. The man who is familiar with his tool is going to come out on top. Jesus is familiar with the Word of God. He uses it. He lives by it. And he knows it in his soul. The Word of God. 
And Jesus wasn't alone. He was working together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, working under the Trinity title of Son of God. All of Jesus' ministry, uh, we see him uh, praying to God, reaching out to God, and talking to his Father. They are three in one. Jesus operates by the power of his Father, God. We see them together. For this first sermon of 2022, I want us to practice and to plan and to operate together, to be intentional about living God's will. Remember what Jesus said the first time when, when Satan tried to tempt him? He said, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we are going to live by God's word. And we're going to practice living by God's word. A little practice goes a long way. You probably know that. You know, we, we don't have to be experts at something to achieve something. As a matter of fact, a lot of the experts in, in Scripture, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, he would call them out because the experts in the law often tripped over their own understanding of their own pride of how much they knew. We don't have to be experts, but practicing takes us a long way. I recently um, started uh, combat jujitsu training. So... I'd like a volunteer, a smaller fella, to come up. Not you, Flint, you're too strong. Okay, I'm joking. Nobody has to come up. Oh. And I've only done it for like a month and a half, like two months, right? So you can't expect me to know what I'm doing. And it sometimes feels really awkward to get yourself tied in a knot by one of the bigger fellas that has been doing it for uh, you know, a long time. Um, but having just a little bit of practice I think goes a long way. If a situation came up where I had to get in a scuffle with uh, somebody like, not Danny, because he already knows how to wrestle, but somebody tough, then uh, I've already got two things out of the way. Number one, it's not awkward anymore to wrap my arms around the fella and to get close to him and to uh, experience the sweat of another man all the time. That's not awkward because I do it every day. It's not the end of the world when my face gets slammed to the ground and ground into the concrete anymore because that happens every Wednesday morning at 4.30 a.m. Uh, it's something that I am uh, already have been practicing so I can get that out of the way if I ever have to wrestle because it's something that I practice. How will you think this is something we have to ask our question. If uh, opportunity arises, um, what will your mind be doing? If we're practicing, if we're training our mind, then we will already have a step up in the situation. Now, what if somebody asks you about your faith? They ask, what do you believe in? Or, what do you have hope in? If you practice a little bit, uh, maybe you'll have a chance at answering that faithfully. Now, maybe uh, some school, uh, 
some of the teachers at school teach your, your kids something stupid, something that is way off base. How are you going to handle that? Uh, maybe the <laughs> devil comes prowling in and uh, tempts you, offers temptation, or uh, you know, gives you a trap that just, just looks very easy. You know, what are you going to do to keep from stepping into that trap or avoiding that temptation? How are you going to respond to those who want to teach your children something that is wrong? If you've trained your mind, then you'll have a step up in how to handle that mind, body, and soul. What will your actions be? You know, are we training our bodies? Uh, Paul says he disciplines his body. The Apostle Paul. He <laughs> makes it submit to his mind. Uh, Y'all remember Pastor Mark. He had so many good things that uh, we can use in our lives. And we, we remember so much of what he told us. So one of the things that I know a lot of the fellows have mentioned to me that, that stuck out to, to them is he would train us fellows to uh, practice uh, bouncing our eyes. So it's, it's kind of awkward, but you ladies got to you know, be beautiful, but don't be seductive in your clothing. Don't be uh, something that attracts the eyes of a fella to lust. Um, men, you have got to learn to submit your bodies to your mind. And your mind, to, to correctly do that, your mind has to be trained in God's word. We have to practice living by what God says. So we uh, train our bodies like our eyes whenever we see something that we might lust after or uh, covet. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a nice car. Uh, get them off. Uh, move them. Uh, train your body to submit to your mind. And your mind is focusing on God's word, mind, body, and soul. Your soul, what will you feel in these situations? What will you feel? How will you, uh, how will you respond deep inside in your heart? The more you are practicing to train your mind and to train your body, the more your body uh, comes to be more like Jesus comes the more faithful body of Christ. This is the sanctification process that Jesus wants us to fall, uh, wants us to fall in line with Him. Now, the more we practice to live by God's word, the easier it is, and it becomes character after a while, and personality is who we become. So we must practice to live by God's word. The second thing that Jesus responded, verse 7, when uh, Satan said, look here, if you jump off, then uh, you know the angels will protect you. And Jesus says, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Do not test the Lord your God. And we have to plan not to test God. Plan. Now, we need to, we need to define test versus confirm. But sometimes... We want confirmation from God. Again, I don't necessarily think that uh, you know asking for confirmation all the time is good, uh, but it's different than testing. Uh, Jesus here 
But when he says, you must not test the Lord your God, is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. You must not test the Lord your God. You know, God is the almighty creator. He does not need to be tested. We should probably understand that. With our little human selves, we were created by God. Why would we even doubt what he says? It blows my mind when I think about it. But then again, I suppose that we all slip to the point to where, hmm, I wonder if that's really true, what God says. Does that sound familiar? Kind of like how it happened in the beginning. When Eve was like, I wonder if what Satan says is, is true. Is it really true, what God said? And she gave in to temptation. And then her husband wasn't around or he didn't stand up when he should have. Either way. So I want to point you to a scripture. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Here we have a unique verse. <clears throat> this, by the way, is the only time that we, that scripture uses uh, or tells us that we can test the Lord, and this is a unique time. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouses so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So here we, here we have the only situation in Scripture that God gives us permission to test him, and I say us, it's specifically talking to these folks in this situation. We could perhaps apply it to our lives. And it's about uh, the finances or the, um, the, the things that you have. And he says, if you offer them to me, then I will bless you. Go ahead and, and test me because I will prove that, prove that the case. If you're going to ever even think about testing God, let it be that you are being generous to Him and offering what you have to God. In every other instance where this word test is used, it's referring to, uh, it's referring to man testing God, and it is in a sinful and arrogant situation. Um, we must not test God. This is the plan. Plan to not test God. If you remember the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, um, you know, we think uh, that they, they were doing some testing, um, but they were not testing God. Rather, they were testing Paul and Silas with God's word. Some new fellows coming to town. These fellows are Paul and Silas. And uh, uh, they, they were speaking some things that the Brians were like, hmm, sounds like the word of God, but I'm not sure. And so they take it to the scripture and they test Paul and Silas, not God's word. They test them against or with God's word and they find Paul and Silas to be uh, the real deal, to be speaking um, by the word of God and with it so they accepted them. Uh, Judges chapter 6, uh, you know the, the story of Gideon. Uh, he wants proof, and it doesn't say that he tests God, but it's more of a confirmation. 
Um, Gideon, uh, you know, God puts Gideon in charge of rescuing Israel, and Gideon says, are you really going to use me to rescue Israel, God? Because that's a big calling, and Gideon would have to use his armies, and there would be danger, and he would be outnumbered, and boy, he wasn't sure he wanted confirmation, and he asked for it. Scripture says that when he asked for it, it that he says, please don't be angry with me, God. So we get the idea that uh, Gideon recognizes uh, the danger in him asking God uh, to confirm. Uh, but he does, and he says, hey, uh, if I throw out the, the fleece, you know, I want, I want uh, if, if you really want me to rescue Israel, then put uh, dew on the fleece, soaking wet, no dew on everything else. And then he says it again, um, can you double confirm, God? And uh, this time, I want, uh, can you make the, the whole ground wet and the fleece dry? And God uh, humors him and confirms that he does want Gideon to do what he wanted him to do, save um, Israel. Now, folks, the Bible is plenty evidence. It's evidence enough that God has a mission for us. We can read all the scripture that tells about what he wants us to do. We can read lots and lots of stories about how God proved himself to the people in this scripture. We can see in our lives what God has done in us and through us and through the others who have witnessed to you. This is plenty evident. I don't think that we need to throw out any fleeces today. And we for sure need to plan not, or we need to plan to not test God. The last thing that Jesus says, the devil says, hey, you see all this? I'll give it all to you if you just kneel down and worship me. That's all you have to do, kneel down and worship me. And Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve God only. Not my dad, uh, together. Serve God only together. And the reason I say this is because uh, Jesus, as we discussed before, is with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity together. Jesus is in contact with his Father. They don't separate. He operates under his Father. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Two or three when we gather together, God is ready to work in us. Serve and worship God together. Uh, Ecclesiastes that we read, uh, chapter 4, you know, says that two are better than one. And at the end it says three are better than two. A lot of times we know this verse is uh, being uh, read at weddings. You know, Two are better than one, so 
we think, well, it's, it's a good idea to be married. And I think that that's not taken out of context when used at a marriage or at a wedding, because that is true. But also right before that, it says that uh, this is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. And he says, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure for now? And then it says, uh, two people are better off than one. So the scripture is talking about a man, and it says, uh, I don't have a child or brother. And it says three uh, at the end are better because the cord of three is not easily broken. This verse applies to all of us, and it applies to us as the body of Christ. Together, Satan is not easily able to break us if we are together. Mark chapter 6, verse 7, um, when Jesus, uh, he called his 12 disciples together, he sends them out two by two together so that they can achieve his purpose and do his will. And they would come back together and meet and strengthen each other for them from their church there. We have plenty of example of how Christians should work together to serve and worship only God. If we are focusing on each other, focusing on God with each other, then we're less likely to get sidetracked worshiping things like tradition or worshiping things like uh, rules versus only God. God being the focus of it. I think uh, to wrap it all up, I want to uh, tell you about a, something I heard one of the, the fellows on a podcast that I watch uh, once in a while. It's called The Warrior Poet. And he was encouraging others to, uh, to know that they aren't alone. And he described, he described a, a battle situation where <laughs> Um, so many times nowadays, us Christians, we feel like we're the minority, or we feel like uh, the, the, the people that will speak up for, for um, you know, God and um, for a country after God are, are becoming smaller and smaller. And do we know the real numbers? No, we don't. So we, we can't prove them. But for sure, if you're in a battle, and the enemy is coming towards you, and you feel all alone, and all you can see is the enemy coming towards you, the, the great army advancing, then you're going to feel uh, discouraged uh, at best. You're going to feel doomed. You're going to feel already destroyed before they even get to you. But imagine... If a fellow is standing there facing that army by themselves, all of a sudden here's, here's somebody behind him ready their weapon. Here's footsteps to the other side, and he turns around and he realizes that he's not alone after all. His, his army is coming up behind him, and there's uh, hundreds and hundreds that are gathering and coming up to support him. And all of a sudden... All of a sudden, things don't look so bad. 
things are actually looking pretty good because not alone anymore. There's others there together to work for God's purpose. We can feel out, outnumbered. We can feel alone. But the truth is, is that we are not alone. <coughs> Number one, we have God. We have God to give us His Word, and we have God to, to fight the battle that we can be a part of. And we have God to, to give us the encouragement that we need. Let's worship Him together. He gives us a mission. I'm going to review, review this. Uh, we have to practice living by God's Word. We have to plan not to test God. And together we serve and worship only God. Let's do this in our mission. Share hope. <coughs> Share hope through love and service to our community. This is what Jesus would do. With Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, on our side, we sometimes say, I think we should be on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's side. With us being on Him's side and with us working together, then we are not easily broken by the devil. Let's make sure that this year we are fighting full force for God's purpose. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the time to focus on your word. Lord, and I thank you for uh, giving us the strength in, in uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Trinity, that you are, God. Uh, we thank you for the believers here who help us to become stronger and stronger, sharpening each other like iron. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reach out to our community so that we can grow the body of Christ, to grow our army of believers. So the more folks that we can get, then the more your name is glorified. Lord, we praise you and we worship you.